you can't afford a house, it is not just because there is a new supply. A lot of the reason, uh, or part of the reason, is that prices are being pushed up by record levels of money laundering that has spread like a cancer right across this country. It's so bad now in this country that Canada has become a well-known hub around the world for a place like being, you know, clean cash. They call it snow washing. And each year, as much as 43 to $113 billion is laundered across Canada. It's clean through casinos, but also through real estate, where you get bags and bags of billions buying up these huge mansions. Then they sit until the owner says, well, I guess I'll sell and clean my cash and get it out of it. And they end up having uh, overpaid houses and drive up the cost. But this is also something fueling the fentanyl trade. All of this wide out in the open, thanks in part to the Cullen Commission that was launched in uh, British Columbia and the reporting of guys like Sam Cooper from our global news team. But there has been very little interest from provincial governments and certainly the Trudeau government to do anything to stop this. And it is something that they actually should stop. Let me bring Robert Mazur into the conversation. He's a former U.S. federal agent who served 27 years as a consultant to the private sector on anti-money laundering issues. New York Times best-selling author of The Infiltrator. It's a memoir about his undercover infiltration of the Marayin cartel. Good to have you. Thank you very much. Appreciate the invite. You know, I talk about this on my show quite a bit, of money laundering and, and all of the money coming in, a lot of it coming in from China. It is not, however, widely discussed across this country. It's seen as a BC problem, but it is something that, for whatever reason, no one wants to touch. Why? Well, you know, I was a federal agent for 27 years, and during that period of time, I appeared as an expert witness in um, the Superior Court in Montreal on several occasions, uh, testifying at the request of the Canadian government um, on behalf of the RCMP's criminal and, and uh, charges of money laundering and drug trafficking against some uh, Italian um, Canadian organized crime figures, including uh, Sabatino Nicolucci. This problem has been in existence in Canada for the longest period of time, for decades. Um, There are some very unique issues, in my opinion, as to why Canada is so popular to the underworld for the laundering of funds. First, uh, and, and you've got the Italian-American, uh, excuse me, Italian-Canadian organized crime working closely with biker gangs and, and, mm-hmm. and clearly uh, the Rizzuto crime family in control of the ports. Um, when I worked undercover within the Medellin cartel, it was easier to import the drugs that were going to be distributed in Detroit by bringing them into the port of Montreal than it would be to try to get it into the United States. So you have a major weakness in the port areas. There is a black market flourishing um, in Canada to, and, and, and really it's economics. People don't understand this. I was, a, I was a part of the black money market when I worked within the Medellin cartel. And on the one side, I had suppliers of dollars um, who were the underworld, who was the cartel. And I had people who wanted to buy those dollars who were gray market people or, quote, legitimate people who were willing to give something up that the traffickers wanted. And right now, the perfect storm exists in Canada. You have extraordinarily wealthy Chinese citizens who are looking to buy the biggest mansions they can find in Vancouver or do whatever else they want to do in the way of investments in Canada. But they have a problem back home. They have capital restrictions. They're not allowed to take legally out of the country more than $50,000 a year. So where are you going to go in order to bring 
10 million to get a Vancouver mansion. Easy. You go to the black market. When you're a part of the underworld, you know, everybody knows. I mean, it's a bigger banking system than the legitimate banking system. It's put together by corrupt bankers, businessmen, people like myself who were undercover agents got the opportunity to see that firsthand. So if you want to get $10 million in U.S. currency or you want to get it in uh, get rid of $10 million in U.S. currency or Canadian currency, there are buyers, long lines of buyers from China who want to give you REM. You want, they want to give yeah. you what's in their country. And that's perfect for me as a black money market operator servicing the cartel. Why? Because there are very, very important things within the borders of Canada that are of great interest to the underworld. Number one, they have unregulated pharmaceutical companies from which, as you rightfully said, a lot of fentanyl and other types of precursor chemicals can be purchased with no tracking whatsoever. Another thing is China is the biggest manufacturer of counterfeit goods. Uh, mm-hmm. Criminals are criminals. If they've got drug money and they can buy counterfeit goods or they can buy real goods, they're going to buy counterfeit goods. So they got a huge market there. Your listeners should look for a case called Guangzhou Enterprise. Uh, that, ha- that was a case where $5 billion was laundered in drug proceeds, much of that money being picked up on the streets in, in Canada and, and wound up being exchanged and then used, the value being used to buy $5 billion in counterfeit goods that destroyed businesses, legitimate businesses in Latin America, who then had to compete with traffickers who didn't even have to make a profit, but but had counterfeit goods uh, to boot. The other thing is that the traffickers know that there's no way on this planet that the that the excuse me, the Chinese government is going to honor a subpoena or any due process from the Western world. So once they've got value inside of those borders, nobody can touch it. So for, for those reasons, and you can look at cases, the first one that, that's really big, and, and this shows you how long this has been going on, surfaced in 2012, um, a, a Lebanese-Colombian uh, by the name of Ayman Juma, J-O-U-M-A-A, who was working along with the, Le- with the Lebanese Canadian Bank, laundering a half billion dollars in that particular case, much of the drugs, much of the money going through Canada. 2019... Hezbollah's presence in Halifax, Vancouver, Calgary, um, London, Ontario, Um, a a very famous money launderer who was operating there, Altaf Kanani. Um, He was basically the Goldman Sachs of the underworld. And and Hassan uh, Mohsen uh, Mansour, who worked in conjunction with Kanani, capitalizing upon this economics of the underworld banking that Canada is so greatly involved in. And then you have traffickers who are clearly heavily linked to Canada who operate. Now, why is it that, um, and I'm never going to pronounce his name properly, but uh, Tse Chi Lop, but everybody knows him as Sam Gore. Um, He's China-born, Canadian national. He brought together an alliance of five Asian triads now estimated by governments making $17 billion a year uh, through that. Why, are, why, why is Canada so of greatest interest? And I can tell you, in my opinion, there's a lesser arsenal of resources being used by Canadian law enforcement than if you compare that to, let's say, yeah. U.S. law enforcement. The use of informants, the use of wiretaps, um, that's 
less common by far. But you also have a much higher mountain to climb in the Canadian courts based upon the way that their money laundering statutes are established. And the legal, yeah. legal procedure is, is is much more difficult. So for all those reasons, I hate to say it, it, it was a major problem 20 years ago, and it's 10 times that major problem now. Yeah, it's unfortunate because we've known about this for, for some time. There doesn't seem to be a lot of will. In fact, uh, provincially here in Ontario, we have actually dismantled um, a lot of our units that deal with money laundering and organized crime. I mean, you have to put a lot of resources into it. We've had a couple of very big court cases fall apart because of the way they were investigated and because they didn't have the expertise to do it properly. And so, you know, these are not victimless crimes, whether it's the fentanyl market, which we know are, you know, killing people across this country uh, with opiate o- overdoses, et cetera. But we also know that there's a huge sex trafficking, uh, you know, underworld that is is doing extraordinarily well. And, the you know, the bottom line is we've got this information. I think a lot of people in Canada look at this as a BC problem, but it very much has spread across the entire yeah. country. And it's not new to your point. In the April 2021 fiscal update, the uh, Trudeau government delivered, I guess, or announced that they're going to have a publicly accessible beneficial ownership registry starting in 2025. Again, I don't know why we're waiting so long. I don't know if this is going to be what's needed. To me, it's like we need a... Um, uh, provincial governments and federal governments getting together and tackling this. I just don't know where the will is. Well, if you look at that uh, registry, to me, that's like bringing a knife to a, a gunfight. Um, I, when I dealt under uh, in the underworld, uh, we had so many very sophisticated lawyers and financial service providers that no matter what kind of a registry you're going to set up, um, it was pretty easy to to get around that. Another major problem you have in in Canada, in my opinion, is you have very very poorly regulated casinos. If you look at the yeah. river, yeah, Rock, oh yeah. Well, you know, if you can take a ba- a bag of like ten million bucks in and no one asks you a question, I mean, you can pay a tax bill, uh, Robert. You can go and pay a tax bill with mm-hmm. a bag of money and twenty thousand. People just take it. Like, who's what twenty five year old is walking around with a bag of twenty five grand to pay their property taxes? These are the things that should ask basic questions, like where's what's this, but we just don't mm-hmm. ask. Well, and, and I wrote a white paper that if people go to my website, um, they can find. Uh, I I wrote it two years ago, trying to urge governments around the world to recognize, in my opinion, the only way in which we're going to be able to attack these types of things. We must establish a a true global cooperation and a, a global cooperation by law enforcement that will then look at money laundering as a crime, not What law enforcement does now is they use money laundering as an add-on statute to a drug case or to a healthcare case. No, no. We need to be trying to identify within various nations the 10 most powerful money launderers that are operating in the world. Aftaf Kanani, who moved Mm. hundreds of billions of dollars. Aftaf Kanani was not involved in the underlying offense. But what he did know was that that's where all that money was coming from. Under the U.S. statutes for money laundering, you don't have to be involved in the underlying offense. All you have to do is prove that someone knew that that money came from a criminal enterprise. And if you can prove that they knew it and then they took that money and they did anything to attempt to transform or to to disguise the source of the funds, that could be opening up a bank account, that could be just about anything that you could possibly do with the money, putting it into buying a house. 
If you knew the money came, came from that, you're facing 20 years and a $500,000 fine. Now, that's, we, we need to identify the 10 top people. And when I was involved in the Medellin cartel, the top money launderer, I happened to get the opportunity to infiltrate, and that was the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI. This is an organization, that was an organization with a presence in 72 countries um, with hundreds and hundreds of branches uh, operating around the world. And they had a plan, and their plan was mm. that they were helping people who had money seeking secrecy from governments. It didn't matter if it yeah. came from a, um, from a third world country where the leader of, of an African nation was pilfering the treasuries or whether it came from drug trafficking or whether it came from ar- illegal arms dealing. They and, and, and the sad thing is, you can look at prosecutions that have happened in the last 10 years, most often for criminal tax uh, evasion, but for other t- uh, types of uh, criminal activity as well, laundering drug proceeds. And, and BCCI was not a- an anomaly. You can look at the uh, deferred prosecution agreements and the indictments that exist for institutions like uh, UBS and Credit Suisse. Um, whereby mm. they knew and intentionally yeah. helped Look clients to evade income taxes by doing the same types of things that BCCI did. Uh, we have to recognize this is this is a ma- massive problem that needs to be addressed. And after 27 years in law enforcement and 15 in the private sector, um, if my if my country wants to try to do something very very meaningful in law enforcement. I know what they need to do, but I can't. It's hard to get anybody to do it. And that is, we have to address three things not just drug education, not just drug treatment for those who suffer from the disease of using illegal drugs, but we have to to focus resources on the underserved communities in my country. Yeah, that that are are, are vulnerable to it. Little or no opportunity. You have no opportunity to compete in the economic world. And, and so right. one wonders, why does this go on? But if you don't break the cycle of generation after generation after generation of these types of problems, it's just not going to happen. We need to fight much, much harder on the demand side. I'm telling you, the profits are so great on the supply side. Every El Chapo that goes down, there's another El Chapo right behind them. And they've got more resources than law enforcement. I'm sure they do. I'm up against the clock or I'd give you the whole clock to talk because it's a fascinating topic and nothing we're going to uh, cure or remedy today. But uh, it certainly is uh, an interesting story. Robert, very much appreciate your time. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you. That is a Robert Mazur, who uh, is a former U.S. federal agent. Maybe we just got uh, hire this guy. Just hire him. He'll figure it out because no one up here is doing anything. Big problem.